0: Hello, Blazers fans. Welcome to the Blazer Focus Podcast. I'm Aaron Fentress, Blazers writer for The Oregonian and OregonLive.com. And the last time we came with the podcast, we were talking about Yusuf Nurkic going down with a broken right wrist. And this time, the topic in Blazerland is that CJ McCollum suffered a very tiny hairline fracture. In his left foot, originally believed to be a sprain, and he will be out for at least three to four weeks before they evaluate the injury again. This information was released late Monday night, hours after they had lost to San Antonio without CJ. Now remember, he injured the foot against Atlanta. That was on Saturday night. It was believed to be a sprain, and then later, through more examination, they discovered the fracture. Horrible news for the Blazers moving forward clearly. Now, they do have a couple favorable matchups coming up here at home. They've got Memphis twice on Wednesday and Friday, followed by the Knicks and the Thunder. You would think they would be able to go 2-2 and at least during that stretch without CJ and Nurk. Then after that, they're going to go on a huge six-game road trip. Listen to this. Houston, Chicago, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, the Knicks, and Charlotte. Charlotte, Knicks, Chicago might not seem like much, but they've been playing pretty solid basketball. They've beaten some good teams and lost some close games to some good teams. And then Houston, you know, they're obviously not that good. They just made a big trade with Harden, but Ola Depot's playing well for them. And then, of course, you got Milwaukee and Philadelphia as the centerpiece of that road trip. Anyway, I am not going to talk more about this right now because. We did a video today, we as in myself and Joe Freeman, where we talked about the situation with losing McCullum on top of losing Nurkic last week and what that means for the team. So let's... Bring in that segment now between myself and Joe Freeman as we examine both the impact on this team, the players who need to step up, and can they survive the rest of the first half of the season? Should CJ be out the entire time, or can he just survive the next 14 games if he's only out for the next four weeks? We talk about that as well. Take a listen. This has become a little bit of a habit, Joe getting together to talk about major injuries on the Blazers roster. The last time we did a video, we talked a lot about the loss of Yusuf Nurkic. Now we're talking about the uh, loss of C.J. McCollum. Now let's. Re- I'm going to recap this first before we get into it. So against Atlanta the other day, C.J. drives the lane, scores the basketball. As he's coming down, Clint Capella lands on his foot. Miraculously, he finishes the half. Like He hopped around for a while. He finishes the half and plays really well. Then the second half, he doesn't come back out. We get Anthony Simon starts. He doesn't play very much. Trent pretty much picks up the rest of the load. And then we find out that night MRI reveals a sprain. Not a huge deal. Sprain foot. Who hasn't sprained their foot, right? Everyone's sprained their foot. What's the big deal? Oh, you haven't ever in your life? I don't think so. Wow, you're amazing. Anyway, so <laughs> so uh, we, you know, you're thinking a handful of games. Who knows? Stotts on Sunday, again, says, as far as he knows, Sprained left foot, not a huge deal. And then after the loss to the Spurs on Monday, Damian Lillard's asked about how he sort of perceives McCollum to be. And Lillard says, I was trying to check out their mood, to get an idea of how they're feeling about the injury. He said, so CJ has been himself. He seems upbeat. And so hit, and still in Lillard's mind, that meant a handful of games maybe. Maybe the end of this, this homestand. They got Memphis twice. They've got Brooklyn and the Knicks. Maybe CJ will be back after that. And then last, last night, Monday night, it comes out. Uh, the Blazers release a press release that says that further examination of the foot has revealed a tiny little fracture, a hairline fracture, and, of course, that means more extensive timeout for CJ. Right now they're saying they're going to reexamine him in three or four weeks. He'll be in a boot, and then in three or four weeks we'll know sort of from there sort of how it heals or doesn't heal. He will not need surgery, which is a good sign. So it's something that can heal in a few weeks or something that could take six weeks, who knows? It probably shouldn't be as extensive As Nurkic's injury, where he broke his wrist, is going to be out for at least two months. But still, regardless, three weeks, five weeks, seven weeks, doesn't matter. This is a devastating injury for this team, which had been playing better until the loss to uh, San Antonio. Actually, to a loss to Indiana, and then they lost to San Antonio after the Atlanta win. Uh, So anyway, that's a recap of where we are. C.J. McCollum spoke today. Extremely upbeat, extremely positive, said over and over, I've been through foot injuries before, which he has in college and early in his career at Portland. Uh, So, you know, don't feel sorry for him. He still lives a great life, much better than a lot of people in this world that we live in right now. Um, Stotts talked about the team itself and where they move uh, forward, with how they move forward without him, which we'll examine more uh, moving forward. But you, as someone who's covered CJ his entire career to this point, A, um, you've seen him deal with foot injuries before, which I think is rookie or sophomore or second year. And then and that's A, first ask you. And then B, you know, what does this mean to this team beyond the obvious? I mean, we all know how devastating this is, but how, how bad do you think this is going to be for this team?
1: Well, uh, it's a problem. I mean, and, and it's it's one thing to lose CJ. It's another thing to lose CJ one game after losing Yusuf Nurkic. And uh, so now we're staring at two Blazers' starters, their second and third best players, missing an extended stretch of time, at least a month, uh, potentially up to two months for both of them. Uh, And these, I guess the bigger problem isn't, in addition to that, I should say, is that this isn't a normal season. These are, uh, this is a time, obviously, where it's a condensed schedule. And games are coming one after the other after the other with, with very little time in between, usually one day uh, max uh, for the most part. And so uh, there's a lot of games coming up, and it's, it's, it's going to be difficult for this team to navigate this stretch. I, I don't want to get too far ahead because I know we're going to kind of talk about how they move forward and, and what we think about their chances. Or are we there now? Are we at? Are we at <laughs> where are we at on our timeline?
0: Well, let me add something else real quick uh, before we, we move on. So you mentioned, you know, the games being rapid fire. Mm-hmm. If he misses four weeks, that's about seventeen games.
1: Now wait a minute. Now I, I break. I broke all this down. So if we're going to go, Oh, bit, you did. I, yeah.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. So, oh, you, you got, got, got the got, breakdown coming. Okay. I've well, then got, let's Oh wait. Go ahead. Where where, where are we at? <laughs> <laughs> you got you got a warning if you have a massive breakdown coming. Well, uh, okay, gonna, so we're, we're going to break that uh, down. Let uh, me just say one more thing before before we okay. segue into uh, life without them. Um, wh- one of the things about this team that I, I've I feel like I, I've noticed in the last couple of weeks is that clearly they've been waiting for Nurkic to to get back to being Nurkic, mm-hmm. and CJ has just been amazing during that stretch. He has outplayed Damian for for the most part, I think. Um, Until Damian picked up a little bit here in the last week or so. And so that Sacramento game, you felt like Nurkic was maybe turning the corner. And then since then, it's just been like not a collapse, but you can see the wheels about to come off. So I, I think this is a very scary situation for this team as a whole. And so that said... Now we can move to the next (laughs) segment, which is, Joe, (laughs) how do you think they're going to survive this? Break it down for me, brother. Well, you know, the first gut
1: reaction is they're screwed. Their season's done. Uh,
0: Okay, um, that's the show, people. Thanks for joining us.
1: Tank, tank. Let's call it good. Go for a lottery pick.
0: Second mock draft.
1: Right. You had C.J. McCollum, who was having a career year, averaging 27 points, five assists. He led the NBA in three-point makes. He was shooting 44% from deep, was attempting more, uh, you know, kind of in his evolution from mid-range crafty C.J. to to long-range dagger Mm C.J. And he was really had put everything together uh, in what had been a career year. There was all-star buzz for him in the early going. And, and so from that standpoint, you combine that with, like you said, Yusuf Nurkic rounding into form, I think we were starting to see the early stages of this team fulfilling uh, or kind of becoming what we thought they could become. So it's devastating from that standpoint. But I will say that I have seen time and time again over the years, uh, a franchise endure more injuries mm-hmm. than he needs to endure. I mean, you talked about the, Crazy nature of this foot injury. They, it's something they probably wouldn't have even have discovered in the '70s, uh, back in in the Walton days. And you know, a guy might have missed a whole season or played with a crazy foot pain for a whole season. So at least they identified it, and and can it can get better sooner than later. But if you look at the stretch coming up, I have them at fourteen games four weeks from now, which is when McCollum is supposed to be reevaluated, And so he, that probably won't be the time he returns, but it's 14 games until, uh, until he's supposed to return. And so um, here, l- let me look at my handy math. I have all this yeah. broken down. I,
0: I went 20th to the 20th, which is a little, probably a little more than four weeks, but go ahead. That's I, yeah, I went four
1: weeks. So, um, and the record of the teams they played during that stretch is, is very manageable. Um, They'll play 14 games of the next four weeks. Only five of them will be against teams with winning records. It's a it's an East dominated stretch. There is a very long road trip, a one, two, three, four, five, six uh, game road trip that that will be difficult to manage. But uh, so not that brutal of a schedule. And then if you even look further ahead, say CJ does miss more than four four weeks, and you combine that with the time that Nurkic will miss. Let's get through the, the remaining games of the first half of their schedule. There's 23 games left of the first half of the schedule. The NBA has not released the the second half of the schedule, and there, there's a break mm-hmm. in there for an all-star break and kind of a pause and, and a built-in gap there. That concludes March 4th, 23 games. Over that stretch, only eight of the Blazers opponents currently have a winning record. So you're staring at a schedule that that is manageable. And I maintain, as we talked about after, after the Nurkic injury, this is still a team with a lot of good players. It was a deep and versatile team heading into the season for maybe not for this scenario, but for scenarios like this uh, to account for absences and to account for injuries. And, and right now, you, you know, we haven't even talked about Zach, but they're missing three, Important pieces, and so do I expect them to uh, surge to the top uh, of the Western Conference standings. No, but I think that they have the ability to to navigate this uh, and kind of stay five hundred or, or thereabout. Because look, you've got Dame, who who is an all-star and, and all star and an all NBA caliber player. You have uh, Carmelo Anthony, who's been through all this before. You have emerging young talent in, in uh, Gary Trent Jr. You have Rodney Hood, who we're going to talk about more uh, further in the show, who who had his best game of the season at, at perhaps the best time uh, from a confidence standpoint. Um, and you've got, you know, you have Rocco, you have uh, Derek Jones Jr. Y- y- you've got a lot of pieces that can help you navigate this and – some guys who are hungry, like Anthony Simons, who's been waiting his time for a chance at an opportunity like this. So uh, is it going to be easy? No, obviously not. But it is manageable. And and I don't think it's it's a death blow for the Blazers.
0: OK, uh, I do agree that they're not going to fall to pieces and be out of the playoff race, you know, et cetera. I think as long as you're above right around 500, I think you're going to be in it clearly going into the second half. Uh, regardless of how tight things are in the western conference you still you know right now 7 and 6 is getting you in with memphis which is where they are right now however i just like they're going to be under 500 the rest of the first half i think that's i think that's a given i think that you know last year without nurkic without collins and without hood they were what eight games under 500 before the, the halt of the season I, and then the bubble restart, they got, they end up finishing the season. I think yeah, that, five that's a team's
1: under sounds right. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, you know, now you take CGI that mix and yes, you have hood back, but, and yes, they've added some other, you know, Covington and Jones, et cetera, et cetera. Like to me, it's a wash. Like, so I could easily see this team of the next 23 games doing 10 and 13, nine and 14, maybe because even though you've mentioned these other teams that are under 500, I would maintain that this team right now that they're putting out there without Nurkic, Collins, and CJ is a lottery team. Like, I don't think this team would make the playoffs as it's presently constructed. And although they have depth per se, the depth they have is not meant to make up for a McCullum. Like, they, they're just too streaky. Trent is like, Hood, you know, Hood's going to be like this. Simons, you don't know what you're going to get. Cantor, you know, puts up double doubles, but. He can be a liability on defense. Melo, you know, Mello's playing mid-range jumper ball and fadeaway jump shots, which is fine, but he's up and down. Like, it's just a a, a roster of up and down guys. (laughs) You know, Covington, my goodness, the other day was one for 13. So it's such a weird mix of guys that around Dame, CJ, and Nurk, it works. Without CJ and Nurk, I think it's massive trouble. Now, I don't think they're going to fall out of it to where they can't get back in it when CJ comes back and when Nurk comes back, but I do think it's going to be a rough 23 games.
1: That's fair and and you bring up a lot of I mean Rocco what is going on there I, I expected it's him to be way better than this and and I think he will be but it's it's times like these where he needs to find it and he needs and and Dane needs help now more than ever yeah. with CJ and Nurk out and they have the pieces to stay afloat but it will take better play from everyone in in, in different stretches now let me bring up uh, something related to this. This is not the first time the Blazers have had to play an extended stretch without CJ and Nurkic. At the end of the 2018-19 season, on March 16th, you missed ten uh, games, right? Him hurt his knee at San Antonio. Uh, ten days later, uh, and would go on to miss about a month. Um, maybe not quite a month, but about a month. Ten days later. And bear in mind, this is uh, in crunch time. The, the team was competing for a playoff spot. Uh, Ten days later, Yusuf Nurkic snapped his leg and, and missed, as we all know, uh, the rest of the season and, and, and much of almost all the next season. So they went on to play seven uh, games without both of those players. In crunch time, fighting for a playoff seed, they went four and three to uh, just enough to clinch the third the third seed. And then, as we all know, they went on to the Western Conference Finals uh, later that year. So, a little bit of historical context that dropping could, knowledge. <laughs> now, it's, it's a <laughs> smaller sample size, but it's arguably a more important time because it was the last month of the season. So, right. uh, it just goes to show that it can be done. Now, it's going to take more from, from Rodney Hood. It's going to take more games like we saw last game. Uh, it, it's going to take more from from way more from Rocco. I like a lot what I've seen out of. Uh, of, of DJ uh, Jay and, and the elements he brings. And, and it's going to take less streaky play from, from Gary Trent for sure, and Melo for that matter, but they do have the pieces. Now, the question I guess uh, I have to ask you as we move forward here is, there is a, another big hole in the starting lineup. In game one of that, Terry Stotts elected to go to Rodney Hood, who who had his best game of the season. Who do you think – uh, they should turn to to moving forward because they do have options.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because uh, we asked Stotts, I think I asked him actually on Sunday what his plans were. And initially he said that he would either go with Simons or Trent. Uh, Trent, mm-hmm. excuse me. Simon started the second half against Atlanta, like I said, after McCullough went down, but he didn't last very long. And Trent was in there because Trent obviously is their, their third best guard. So, But I remember writing, I think, that night that he had a decision to because you – you've got Simons is going to be your backup point now. So do you want him starting and as your backup point? And then do you want Trent's pop coming off the bench? So some, sometime between when he talked to the media and later that day, he decided to go with hood and informed hood of that. Now that makes sense because coming into the season, they maintained that hood was going to be a backup to the, both the three and the two, which he has been. And so by starting hood, you keep Simons as your backup point and you keep Trent as your you know, go-to off-the-bench, high-energy DN3 guy, which I think makes sense. Um, so I, I, I don't have any problem with that. Me personally, I don't think it matters that much. I think it just matters going with the guys who are playing well. Like if Trent's playing well, keep him on the court till he's not. Like, he's the Energizer Bunny. Let that guy play. If he comes off the bench eight minutes into the game and is hot and playing deep, let him play the whole game, you know, as far as I'm concerned, and then play hood at, some, at sub three or whatever. But I, I think it doesn't matter who starts. I think it matters how each guy's playing because all three are like this. Like, you just never know. So it's going to be night in, night out who's going to get the most minutes based on how they're playing. But I'm cool with them starting hood. I think that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I like uh, the experience he brings and and experience with this team in big moments. Obviously, he was uh, uh, an important piece of that Western Conference Finals run two years ago. Uh, best some of the best basketball of his career, and then that carried over to the next season. Now he has played extremely limited minutes all season until until the last game when. Right. Um, you know, he did have his his best performance, 21 points, uh, you know, 60, he made 9 of 14 shots in 25 minutes. He had not played more than, than 16 minutes this season until then. So that will be worth monitoring. Can he physically handle a, a greater load? I mean, obviously, I, I would say the team has decided, or the medical staff has decided that he can. Um, but it's also going to take more from the guys you mentioned. I mean, Gary Trent had such a you know, a breakout in the bubble and, and leading up to the bubble uh, before the season was paused. But, you know, he's been so erratic this year. Now one might argue that the entire NBA has been erratic this season with, with COVID and and all of that stuff. And, and man, it's like one, one day a team wins by 20 and the next day the Celtics lose to the Knicks by 20, by 30 or whatever. (laughs) So really night to night, you don't know what might happen. So They're going to need to level off, but you bring up a good point. And and a lot of it is incumbent on this coaching staff to be nimble, to be flexible, uh, to ride the hot hand, maybe more than in previous uh, games where maybe they had a set rotation in mind. And and Terry has has been able to do that over the years. Um, In some ways, I will say that. A little bit of the pressure is off this team, if that makes sense. They had played so, you know, uh, meh over the first couple weeks. Now they, the, their expectations are almost completely gone for them with injuries. Also, some of the pressure is off the coaching staff with the depth, uh, versatility issues they had because now they only have so many guys that can play. And so that takes away some of those options. So, you know, ideally you kind of settle into something that works here in the next three to five games and and then kind of write it out. But, um, you know, those are silver linings, and there's really no way to to account or make up for the loss of these two guys. I just really do think that this team can navigate it, uh, you know, uh, relatively okay.
0: Just to uh, elaborate more on what you said about Hood, Hood prior to the Spurs game was three of his last – 26, 13, 15, six, 22, three of his last 22 shots in over like six or seven games, <laughs> including an 0 for 5, a 1 for 6, a 1 for 6. And then he came to life uh, Monday. And last year before he tore his Achilles, he looked like, I, I mean, he was phenomenal. Was he shooting like 48% from three or something ridiculous like that? It was
1: fifty percent before his last game and last game and a half, and then it went down. Yeah,
0: there. so like if that guy shows up, I mean, fifty percent is ridiculous. He just shoots thirty eight from three consistently and forty seven percent, you know, from the field, and provides good defense and high energy, and does some of the athletic things he's capable of doing. If that guy is back, then I'm with you. They could be closer to five hundred. If that guy's not back and he's going to be up and down, I. 9-14 and 14 is my call right now. So it's going to be contingent on what I see from him in terms of how I believe this, the rest of this first half is going to go.
1: Yeah, and, and the good news is, well, for Blazers fans, the good news is that we have seen Rodney uh, step up in, in important times and, and deliver important performances. Um, and, and it was a positive sign to see him do that in his first chance back. Uh, you know, man, Achilles injuries are are unforgiving and, and historically they are uh, players do not return the same afterward. Uh, we have seen Wesley Matthews come back and, and have some uh, solid seasons since his. I know Kobe came back from his obviously and, and was, you know, was obviously wasn't peak Kobe, but was decent. And so it'll be worth monitoring to see, see how he progresses. But this is a guy who has the ability to fit in uh, where he can get his shots when he can uh, and, and bring a defensive com- component that maybe CJ can't, can't bring. Now that is when he's fully healthy. So I thought he looked physically fluid and physically, you know, as well as we've seen him all season uh, in, in that loss last game. So that was encouraging. Uh, it'll, it'll be worth seeing or interesting to see if he can keep that up. And and that I think moving forward, that's one of the more important things. Um, you know, for this team to navigate the next month or so.
0: And also, if, before we move on, Anthony Simons, man, like that, that's another wild card in this thing. Two of seven, two of five from three, you know, 15 minutes, you give him six points. You know, he, like, I'm starting to feel like <laughs> he maybe just can't handle this type of, like, you know, starting to stop sputtering minutes here and there. Like he needs to just get out there and just play. Like it's almost like a, a, a young a colt that needs to get out and run open field and not be stuck in a, in a pen or something like that. Because every time he goes out there, I feel like if he plays well, starts to leave him out there. If he messes up, starts is going to take him out. Um, but if he can find any type of consistency as the backup point and playing with some too, that could really help a lot. So it's going to be interesting to see what he does. And I asked thoughts today. I said, you know, When this kind of thing happens, you're going to give those 60 minutes that McCullum and Nurkic play combined to other people, and maybe if guys develop and grow with those minutes, when Nurk and uh, CJ come back, they come back to a better team. And that, to me, is going to mean that Anthony Simons has to learn how to play better basketball for more consistent minutes.
1: Well, you would think or you would hope that a player who has been preparing – for extended playing time and been uh, no doubt behind the scenes pining for a larger role has, is ready for it now. And, and it, he's going to get it. And so it, now's his chance. It's kind of right. put up or shut up time. And, and we, we've seen that a lot with guys over the years. Uh, um, man, most recently Myers Leonard comes to mind, a guy with a lot of potential and hype uh, coming in and, and never really fulfilled it. Now, he was not nearly hyped as much as as Anthony Simons was uh you know Neil Olshe has come out emphatic in in his belief and in, in his potential and his ability and behind the scenes players have been in awe of what Anthony does. we're gonna and and let's not forget that performance against Sacramento in a meaningless game a couple seasons ago when he went ham so uh, yeah. <laughs> he's gonna need to 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 step up quite simply. The onus is on him, he's got a role. This team has been searching for a backup point guard. Uh, since Nam and so you know I think it's it's time for them uh, for him to own this moment uh, and it will be an important factor otherwise you're going to get your wish and maybe you will maybe you won't I don't know we're about to find out what your wish but uh, (laughs) it's kind of one of those deals where whenever something like this happens it's it's as is as true as rain in Portland in in the spring is (laughs) The Blazers need to make a deal. The Blazers got go <laughs> to go the plug their The Blazers got to make a bold move. It's time to change everything. And so,
0: let's throw it to you, Mr. Aaron Fintrud.
1: Are you are,
0: are you trying to say that I love that stuff too much? And, oh, you're you're
1: right in there with the masses on that. You know what
0: I think it is is that when I do fantasy leagues, I'm a horse, I've been called a horse trader. Ah, yeah. <laughs> there's been seasons that I've had like. Fantasy basketball leagues where I've had like thirty different guys because I trade so much. Um, no, I, I, you know, you do wonder moving forward though if if where they're at,
1: if if the Blazers need to make a move, if Neil O'Shea needs to make a you know to be aggressive and and to go find someone to plug in the hole, uh, or do you navigate these choppy waters for the next month plus? see where you're at and then and then uh, and then go from there what what say you I, I think
0: i mean I would expect that any GM in this situation or in any situation is always eyeing potential moves i mean I think that's the job right so if something popped loose where someone was willing to make a deal that you couldn't turn down I think he would make it even if cj were healthy um, but I don't think he's gonna just run out and go i need to add a a veteran guard here, take a bunch of players and then look at his roster later and go, what have I done? I think it has to make sense. And neither one of those guys is out for the season, uh, Nurkic or CJ. They will be back. So there's that to look forward to at some point. So you don't want to make a rash decision. But, I mean, you just, like the NBA is just weird that way. You never know who is going to say, you know what, I, I think we're going to move on from this guy. What do you got? And, you know, I mean, let's just throw it. Let's say, uh, I mean, Oladipo just got moved to Houston. Now I'm not saying you could get him, but – Someone like that, a good player, sometimes an all-star, sometimes not. Team wants to dump him in his contract. Give me Simons, Trent, and a pick. Would you do something like that? You know, I think he would definitely look into it. I don't know if he would or not. You're shaking your head no. But I'm just throwing that out there. If there's there's something that were sexy enough, I think he would do it. If not, he's going to stand pat because I do believe they believe in their depth and they do have the pieces to navigate this, as you said you believe that they do.
1: Yeah, and there are a couple things to keep in mind. Uh, it's it's not early in the season yet, but it's not – we haven't reached a point where teams have made definitive decisions about their roster and what type of season they're going to have uh, and or ch- are chasing. You know, that's typically something that occurs down the road. And so, you know, maybe some of these moves that might wiggle free uh, in a month or so from now uh, – aren't going to be available now. And so the timing right. of this, you know, doesn't lend itself to, to something like that. And furthermore, if I'm the GM of, of another team, I mean, I smell blood in the waters when Neil Olshay, you know, texts me or picks, and I pick up the phone and I see Neil Olshay calling me, like it's a desperate move uh, for a team, a GM to try to make a move right now at this point. And, and I think other GMs would see that. So those are a couple factors working against, you know, the Blazers making a move, but also, um, CJ is going to come back and and is going to come back. And so, you know, in a month, six weeks, two months, whenever this team, uh, gets partially healthy and then ultimately as healthy as they're going to be, you know, what do you do then? You're not going to trade away all your depth to navigate this and then get back and have no depth. So, uh, I I don't think you do something like that. Certainly not immediately. Now, uh, you know, you get three or four weeks down the road and you're in real trouble. Then you have to recalibrate uh, things and uh, the season and, and how you move forward. But it doesn't make sense to me right now.
0: No, I hear you. And it takes two to tango, right? People always say, why doesn't Neil O'Shea make a move? Well, you can't just, you know, go on Xbox and just force a trade. Like you have to have someone else willing to make a trade with you. And it has to be a smart trade. So I don't. I agree with you. I don't think anything's going to happen because I don't think anything's going to pop loose. That is a can't resist type situation. Although I do believe if one did, I think he would jump on it. Yeah. Um. So last, but I was just going to say, yeah, of course he. And he knows the
1: market. It's not yeah, like. Yeah, and, and and you know, you, people might say, "Well, well, James Harden just got moved in a blockbuster trade." Well, that was something in the works for weeks because of a disgruntled player and uh, a variety of, of forces coming together there. But this kind he of looking, all, by the way,
0: what's that? Ooh, how's he looking, by the way, he, dude? I swear to God, he lost twenty pounds between the night in that warm ups when I was like, "Don't trade for that guy," and how he looked at the game the other day. That was incredible. Yeah.
1: Took off a fat suit or something?
0: Something. Like, he looked zelt the other day. I'm like, whoa. In 30, what, the first, first player ever to have 30 and 10 in his first two games with a new team? Something like that? This is random stats. But, man, the Nets are going to be out of sight, dude. We'll see. But, but Okay, so last thing. Oh, got, you, you said there's 23 games between now and the end of the break. Um, Or, see, before we get to the break. 23 games, let's assume – CJ's out for, let's, say, let's just say 15. I say 17, you say 14 on your math. No, he's going to be reevaluated after 14. After 14. Okay. So let's just, let's just go from there. 14 games. What's their record in those 14 games?
1: Woo! Set an oh, over man. under. Uh, well, I think your over under has to be half. Seven, seven. Seven. and a half.
0: I'm going up. Yeah, under. it's got to
1: be six and a half. I'll say they'll go 500. I'll say seven and seven. Okay. I'll say six and eight. Yeah. And neither one of those ruin their season. Exactly. Either one of those has this team surviving their most, you know, adver- adversity filled part and moving uh, on to the next stage. And so, um, it, it's, it will be tough without both Nurk and CJ. There's no, there's no way to sugarcoat that. But, uh, again, they're playing teams right now, uh, just five teams with a winning record, uh and one other who's five hundred. Uh, a lot of Eastern Conference teams now they got a tough they've got Memphis back to back here or back to back. Rolling right now. John Moran's back. Woo. Yeah. And a young, hungry team is not the kind of team you want to see when you're uh when you're not young hungry uh and you're dealing <laughs> from injuries. So that that'll be tough, but um They'll split. At least they'll split. Probably. And they're both at home, I believe. So yep. So that'll help too. That road trip will be tough, though. They've that got road trip's gonna be, be wicked, dude. Chicago, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, New mm-hmm. York, and Charlotte. So mm-hmm. uh, that's a long East Coast trip. There's some winnable games on there, but still uh, two and four. Yeah, maybe we'll see. Um, but they've got Orlando, they've got Cleveland, they've got OKC and New York. I don't know who's buying into New York, but they've got them twice uh, during this 14 game stretch, and so. Uh, you know, and then moving on, you've got Washington, uh, Charlotte again, Sacramento. There's some, there's some winnable games out there, but it's going to take, uh, quite frankly, some better play by the Blazers. And we've seen them, um, you know, be very up and down, much like the rest of the league. And and I think we both agree that they were and had turned a corner and were starting to kind of look like the team we thought they could be. And then boom, Nurkic goes down and boom, boom, uh, now CJ. So uh it, 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 it is as is with every NBA scene, season, especially with this team, it never lacks for drama. And so, uh, <laughs> clearly, you can always count on that.
0: I just thought of one quick thing. Do you think Lillard will go bubble Lillard these next 14 games or just keep doing what he's been doing, which is sort of picking his spots of when to assert himself and when to just let other guys? Be involved. You think we can see some? I mean, how many 50 point games are we going to see in the next 14?
1: I think at some point during the next two to three weeks, we will see him more closely resemble Bubble Lillard. I I don't know if we're going to be seeing multiple 50 point outbursts, but I think we're going to see him. It, it's going to, be, and he when the you know the situation arises, he 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 senses it and he tends to rise up to those moments. Now. A lot of that will be incumbent on defenses if they're doing box and ones and, you know, throwing other kind of crazy stuff at him. He's going to have to give up the ball uh, more than he might like. But um, I think I think we're going to see him have to uh, and he will need to assert himself uh, for this team to, uh, you know, to, to, to stay afloat.
0: All right, that's it for this episode. I'm not sure when we will come back with another one, but hopefully there won't <laughs> have been an injury in between. Actually, I think last time we did a podcast segment, not a video segment to talk about Nurkic. Um, so next time we get together, Joe, let's just hope that we're not talking about another Man. person, uh, you know, being on the shelf for this team. Anything, any other final thoughts? No, I, 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 th- I,
1: think, we've, uh, I think we've exhausted it. It's, I thought uh, it was
0: cute today when Stott said he missed you.
1: Yeah, I knew he was going to call me out. I just wanted to come in and see what they had to say, and then he's got to put me <laughs> on blast like that. that's, uh, that's, that's wasn't it.
0: blast. It was hard when I had a tear.
1: Did you that's cry out? Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. It was all bad.
1: He doesn't miss me. It's not <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, cool. Thanks for joining me, Joe, or thanks for me for joining you, however you want to call it. Uh, and we'll see you guys next time. Take it easy. Thanks for listening to the Blazer Focus Podcast. Be sure to subscribe. Be sure to leave positive feedback. And remember, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. I will have another episode later this week and then next week I will be joined again by Joe Freeman via our live video on Facebook and the Oregonians YouTube page as we look back on these next four games without McCollum as well as look ahead to that six game road trip for the Blazers.